Welcome to Household of Faith in Christ. The camera angle looks different than you're used to, I'm sure. Uh, thank you for joining us if you're watching this live or if you're uh, watching or listening to this later. Uh, we thank you for that. We'll get closer to the mic. Um, we have a guest speaker, Imran Razvi, known uh, by many people in the world as simply Raz. Uh, he's got a ministry that, uh, that he calls Conquered by Love Ministries. Conqueredbylove.org is that website. You can check that out. Uh, he and his wife and his family have been involved in this ministry for many, many, many years. And it specializes in family matters, parenting matters, marital matters, uh, those sorts of things. And so that's uh, the gist of what's we talked about. And uh, actually, Imran has spoken here one other time. It was almost two years ago. And uh, we're, we're blessed to have him here again. And if you ever listen to the Faith Debate Show, he's a regular panelist on the Faith Debate Show that we do as well. So anyway, thank you. Well, thank you. All right, let's start with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, you are so awesome and amazing. You are holy and worthy of our praise and worship, and we love you, and we thank you for allowing us to gather together. We ask that you would be here, and your holy presence would be here, that everything said and done here would glorify you, Lord, that it would uh, point to you. And we thank you for your presence, holy presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to talk a little bit about godliness. I know Troy said a little bit different, but I think uh, we'll start there. And you could talk about godliness for years. I mean, the whole Bible is literally about godliness, how to get closer to God. So what is godliness? Godliness can be defined as devotion to God, which results in a life that is pleasing to Him. Who would not like to be remembered as Enoch? Enoch walked with God. He pleased God. I remember my first time as a young Christian, when Tammy's father passed away at his funeral, the pastor talked about Tammy's father walking with God. Everybody that knew him knew that he walked with God, that Don was one such, such as one. So I would say that we, we all want to be, uh, try to achieve that. I mean, who here wants to please God, right? We want to walk with God. So there's a lot of things we can do. But we'll start with uh, John 14. says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So that's pretty straightforward, right? That if you love me, keep my commandments. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved by my, of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So that's the tone that we're going to take when we go in that direction, is if you love God, then you will want to follow His commandments, right? Now Ephesians 5, and you guys are welcome to work there, but I'm going to go through a lot of different verses, so you can just listen or, or switch to it if you want. Ephesians 5, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now, if we jump to verse 18, and be not drunk with wine, because between that and then there's a lot of things that says, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and we're going to focus on what to do. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And that's very important. And the Proverbs says, the wisdom begins in the fear of God, right? So again, fear of God, if you don't have that, there, what is attracting you? And there's a different meaning than just people, today's people think of fear. Fear is more, in this sense, is more of an awe, that God is so much greater than us, that we are really nothing. And there's, there's so many aspects to fear, but this is a fear that brings you to love, 
giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. I want to focus a little bit on that, because that's where it starts, right? The husband, our small group, our family, the husband is, is the leader. I'm going to focus more on that today than anything else. But how does a husband or father be godly? Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their husbands in everything. Now, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That's a pretty big sacrifice, right? Jesus gave himself for the church, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. And that's the key right there. As a husband, as a father, we need to wash our family with the word. We are the leaders. And it goes on, that he might represent it uh, to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. And that's what we are to do with our family to present a holy offering, a family, to, to, to Lord Christ. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. So what is the, the first thing the men should be doing? Men are leaders of the family, so what is their responsibility? You're washing the family with, with the word. But first of all, they're protectors. Protectors from all things. Protectors from evil, from spiritual attack, from physical attack. They're called to be protectors. We are made that way. Our design is such that we want to protect what God has given us. So in Joshua 7.24, it says, And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold, and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Echor. He didn't protect his family, did he? So there's one side, if you behave in a, in, a, in a way that's away from God, that you're rebelling against God, you are not protecting your family, and his whole family suffered the consequence. Number 16, And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses and all the men that appertained to Korah and all their goods, they and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. Again, another man in the congregation did not protect his family. He thought more of himself, and he disobeyed God, and his family suffered. We are to be protectors. So we are the first line of defense. And Hebrews 11.7 says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things that not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he commanded, com condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. What's the difference? Noah was being attacked on all sides. He had to go by faith. He had a relationship with God. Why did he have a relationship with God? Because he walked with God. He talked with God. He, he, he was close enough to God that he could, under, he could hear and have faith. And when God told him to build the ark, he built it on faith. There was nothing indicating there was going to be rain, that the whole world would be covered with water. And, but he protected his family. It was by faith. Number two, men are to be providers. In Nehemiah 4, 14 through 18, 
says, And I looked and rose up and, and said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren and your sons and your daughters and wives and your houses. And it came to pass... I misplaced that. So this is, again, protectors. I put that in there. So, sorry. The providers in a second. But Nehemiah also was protecting his family while he was building a wall. So he signed half the people to defend the families and half the people to build because they were being attacked on both sides. So Nehemiah is another example that he did not leave his duty to protect his family and he taught his people to protect them. So and it came to pass from the time forth that half of my servants wrought in the work and the other half of them held both spears and shields and bows and habergens and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah which they builded on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, every one with one of his hands wrought and worked, and the other hand held on a weapon. So, while we're working for God, we should always be prepared to protect our families. It is side by side. We are protectors. All right, providers. That's number two. First Timothy 5.8. But if any provide not for his own, especially for those in his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than infidel. A provider is not just food, it's all things that a family needs. It is a spiritual, it is first of all spiritual, that's where everything comes from, but the leader, the father of the house, the, the, the husband, is the provider. He is where it comes from. In Ephesians 5.25 it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for it. So, provide everything, including yourself. Even if you have to give up something that is dear to you, to provide for your family. And that's important. It's really hard for us to give up something that's dear to us. You know, something that is important to us. And one of that, those things is time, right? We're busy, we're doing our own things, we have things we gotta pursue. But to stop doing that, to provide for our children or wife or their needs, it's difficult. Because we know that there's things that are important, that we have, what we're taking care of is very important, right? We always feel very highly of ourselves. Everything we do is so important. But to give that up, to pause in that, take a break and spend time, give time to correct, to protect, to teach, to provide, all those things is important. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 6-14 says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves, and remember that word disorderly, we're going to come back to it a little bit. For yourselves, know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. So they were setting an example. Again, they didn't do disorderly, and they're saying, don't walk disorderly. Now, important here, neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. So the apostles Made, got their own food. They, they took care of themselves. They didn't want to be a burden to somebody else. Not because we have not power, but we make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any work not, neither should he eat. And that's an important lesson you teach your children, teach your family. Everybody participates in working in the family and moving forward. For we hear that there are such, some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but as busybodies. They're busy talking, doing other things. Well, what does busybodies mean? Gossiping? Keeping busy, not doing anything productive? 
Now them that are such as such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. They're not making a show of it. They work quietly. They do what needs to get done. And they eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Uh, being ashamed in this, in this culture is a little harder to do because the West really has lost some of that honor and shame. But this is a way to let the person know, hey, you're not behaving properly. You're behaving disorderly. So, I'll come back to disorderly and orderly in a little bit. The number three is peacemaker. So the father and the husband should be the peacemaker of the family. Any fights, any problems, any, any complications, he's the one that's responsible, he's the leader, he's the one that should start the conversation to stop the argument or, or to fix the challenge or, and so forth. In First Timothy 3, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of bishop, he desireth a good work. So let's break that down a little bit. If any man desire the office of bishop, why would you want to be bishop? To serve God, right? To lead, to be an example. He desireth, it says he desireth a good work. It's good to be in leadership. It's good to teach others. It's good to be a bishop. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. So those are the things that you need to do in order to have qualified to be a bishop. Not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One that ruleth well his house, having his children in subject, subjection with all gravity. And that's important. I remember one time in church a while ago, some, they were voting on an elder to somebody to become an elder. And we voted against him because his children were not well behaved. He, he didn't have control of his family. And it says very cl clearly here in verse 4, One that ruleth well his house, having the, his children in subjection with gravity. That's important because it shows that you're doing what God has appointed you to do first. Once you've done the things in your house, then you move up into leadership. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Verse 5. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with the pride, he, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and a snare of the devil. So, if you're going to get into a leadership position, outside of just your home, you should have a good report. You should be able to stand uprightly and not be ashamed of things that, you, that people know about you. You should have your family under control. They should be behaving appropriately. You should be raising them. And then you should really move towards leadership. Because again, it is designing a good work, right? And then we jump to number 12. Verse 12, it says, Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. So that's, that's an important key. That leadership, the hu be husbands of one wife, and ruling their children one. So that, that group, that dynamic... The husband is the father. It doesn't say that women should be doing that. It says the father, the husband, should be ruling their children and their own, their own houses well. And I've seen this, and as I heard this in a sermon, it says be neither toxically passive nor toxically aggressive. What does that mean? A lot of times men will be toxically passive. Oh well, the children are going to behave the way they're going to behave. 
you know, just they'll grow out of it. It'll just happen. That's toxically passive. They don't, you don't really care what's happening. You just, you're by yourself. You're taking care of your own things. You don't really, you're not showing leadership qualities. Or the other one, toxically aggressive. Just smacking the kids or just being hard on them and doing something that is not really helpful. Both of them are toxic. Teach them with compassion by asking questions. This is not a waste of time. This is something that takes effort. Yes, it takes effort and time to teach your children, to raise them in a way, but that's your job. That's what God has pointed you to. As a father, as a husband, that is your calling first and foremost, is to teach your children. In Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 8 says, And these words which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart, that thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk with, of them when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up. So I'm going to break that down a little bit. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto the children. That is a command. Teach them diligently unto children. And shalt talk to them when thou sittest in thine house. So when you're sitting down, you should be talking to them. Even if you're doing something else, you should be teaching your children the word of God. And when thou walkest by the way. So as you walk by the way, you should always be, if you can recite a verse, if you can give a positive um, affirmation to your children, that's what you should be doing. You should be taking the time to affirm your children as you walk by the way and lead them towards Christ. As you lie down, we do family worship at our house. Before we lie down, we always gather for family worship. And when, you're, when you rise up, and our children are commanded every morning to spend, before, as they rise, before they do anything else, read the Bible for 20 minutes. So all those things the Father leads Children don't learn by themselves. So, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto, your, unto thy children, and shalt talk to them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Did God leave any part out? Is any part of your day not teaching your children? Seems like all part, every part of your day that God covers here. When you sit down, when you rise up, when you lie down, right? when you walk by, every part of your life is covered that you should be teaching your children. That is more important than doing anything else. Okay? You are the leader. You set the pace. And that is really how you make a difference. And then number four. And I'll wrap this up. I don't know how long you, uh, you go, but I'm, I guess I'm pretty, fairly short, it feels like. Priest of your home. So Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of, wa- washing of water by the word. So as a priest of your house, that is your job, to lead spiritually. So in Colossians 3, 17-21, it says, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and, and the Father by him, Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. We can always find things to be bitter, right? I heard a sermon a while ago. It said, the pastor said, you know, there's a grain of sand. It's an irritant, right? If you get a grain of sand in your eye and you can't get it out, you go blind. It's going to irritate you and you're going to go blind. You're going to hate it. It's going to make your life miserable. And that same grain of sand, if it isn't a oyster, it creates a pearl. The oyster covers it with love, covers it with, with whatever it is to make it a beautiful pearl. 
we, as husband and wives, are going to be irritating each other. That's just how sin, is, sin nature is in the fallen world. We can either be irritated to the point where we blind ourselves, or we can surround them with love and comfort and care and build them up and grow them into a pearl. Again, it was just a neat way of thinking about the same grain of sand and how it can be treated differently depending on where it is. So, <clears throat> children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. But they have to be taught how to obey, right? They don't just be born knowing how to obey. And this is a, something to the children, but we as parents need to teach them. Again, as we sit, as we walk, as we lie down, as we rise up. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So this is going back to the toxically, what did I say before? Aggressive. Toxically aggressive. You don't want to um, discourage your children. You don't want to uh, provoke your children to anger. We have to take the time to sit down. One of the things that I found that is difficult for us to do, but really simple to do, is when a child needs us, we should get down on their level and speak to them. Take the time. Stop what we're doing. Take the time to sit down and ask, what's going on? What's bothering you? How can we help? How can we change this? Because, you know, no one can undo the damage of a father that's toxically aggressive or toxically doesn't care. If you don't care or if you're going to be abusive, that child is going to be hurt for a long time. And no one can undo that, undo that uh, damage. Think about this world as uh, full of heat, full of sin, sort of like a boiling pot. You could be strong as a carrot, unbendable, you may break, but strong, but if you put it in a boiling water, you can become soft. Now an egg, on the other hand, is soft on the inside, it's a hard shell, it's protected. Put that in boiling water, the whole egg becomes hard, hardened to this world, to the, to the water that's there. But what if you put coffee in there? What does it do? It changes the water, it changes it around it. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, become soft or hard, but everyone around you becomes coffee, right? We want everyone around us to feel the Holy Spirit, wherever we are. A pastor once asked me um, on the phone, he said, if you were carrying a cup and somebody bumped into you and you spilled coffee, why did you spill the coffee? And he was a trick question, because that's what he does. He likes to have trick questions, right? I said, well, well maybe because I wasn't prepared to be bumped and it was my fault for not being ready and, and being able to get out of the way. He said, no, why did you spill coffee? And I didn't get it. He said, because that was what was in your cup. It's like, duh, okay, that was with my cup. He said, when somebody does something in this world that gets you off your kilter, what spills out of you? Is it the Holy Spirit? Or is it something of this world? You see all these, these things, instances of road rage and, and people going out of control and doing things. What's spilling out of them? Whatever's in them, Right? So if your cup, if your body is filled with the Holy Spirit, when something happens, that's what should spill out. It should be softness, gentleness, love, desire to find out, hey, are you okay? You bumped into me. Is everything okay? I hope I didn't spill coffee on you. You bumped into my car. Is your car okay? Are you okay? Is everything okay? We don't know what's going on in other people's lives. So what spills out of you? Is it the Holy Spirit? I thought it was a pretty good thing. And again, it was a strict question. It's coffee. It's what's in, in you, right? Second Thessalonians 3, 6-7 again. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that you withdraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. So I told you to remember the word disorderly. So what are we talking about here? God has placed an order. He has given us things that we should be doing. That is the order. We place ourselves in there. And if we're orderly, we are loving God and following his commands. As he tells us in his whole Bible, again, as I said, we could talk about godliness for years. There's so much in the Bible to tell us that, how to do that. But disorderly, somebody walking disorderly, they're not in the Holy Spirit. They're not walking what God has commanded them to do. And this clearly says that uh, withdraw yourselves from them. That person may draw you into being disorderly also. So I would urge you guys to be orderly. For yourselves know that we ought to follow us, for we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you, but orderly. Okay? So the apostles are saying that we were not disorderly, and that's why you follow us. So as leaders, fathers, husbands, are you being orderly or disorderly? Because that's going to show in your house. Is your house household being orderly or disorderly? What's going on? So be orderly. Again, protect your family, provide for your family, peacemaker your family, and be priest of your family. Those are the things that a husband and a father are called to do. They're more important than anything else that you could do. More important than anybody else. Why minister to others if you are not ministering to your own family? And the hardest thing for me to do was when I you know, was younger and first became, became a Christian, I had so many important things to do. And my first thing was i got to provide for my family. I wasn't very well off. I was commission-based. And so I had to sell in order to be able to eat. And everything that stopped me from selling so I could provide food for my family was a disruption, and I didn't want anything to do with it. And with the help of God and with my wife, we, we said, hey, we got to take the time to stop when our children need attention. we got to take the time to figure out what is, what is it that they need, and we got to address that. And sometimes they'll make us late. That's okay. Sometimes they'll get us off track. That's okay. Because that is what God's provided for us in our family as fathers, mother, as parents. That's where it all starts. And if we take the time early, even though we may miss an important function, if I miss, might miss my appointment or be late for my appointment, those things really bring back a lot of benefits throughout because you are able to raise your children in a way that they will follow your word, that they will hear you. Like we're called to hear God, right? In all this confusion and noise in this world, can you hear God? The only way you're going to hear Him is if you recognize His voice. And the only way you're going to recognize His voice is if you spend time with Him in His Word. That's the same thing with our children. The more time we spend with our children, the better they'll be able to recognize us, the better we'll be able to lead them and correct them and move them in the right direction. And if we don't teach them and train them, then we have no right to correct them. Because without teaching and training, we don't have a right to correct our children. We never taught them anything. So I would leave you with this, that be orderly, and if you don't know what that is, read, the, read God's word, follow his commands, protect your family, provide for your family, be the peacemaker of your family. Don't wait for other people to make peace. Priest of your family. Always be the priest. You are in, the one in charge to, for the spiritual well-being of your family, of your wife, of your children, to spend time in the word and teach them. When should you teach them? When you sit down, when you walk by the way, when you rise up, when you lie down.
all there's there's no part that's avoided there. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. That's all I have for today. I'm going to uh, shut down the stream. Thank you for joining us, uh, whether it's live or later. You can find us online, householdofaithinchrist.com. That's householdofaithinchrist.com. We've been blessed by this message today. Hopefully you have been as well. Um, look forward to hearing from you. If you need prayer or looking to find a church, just at the yard. We'll help you find another good Bible-believing church if you need one. Again, the website is householdofaithinchrist.com. Until next time. God bless.